You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. So it's, it's funny because me and my... Me and my beautiful wife, oh, by the way, my name is Pastor Ethan, if you don't know me by now. And this is my beautiful wife, Jessica, if you don't know her by now. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, son. How you doing? So, we actually, we as parents of teenagers love to roll down the windows going through the beautiful town of Godly and just make sure that we turn up the music as loud as possible and scream to the top of our lungs in a singing manner and do this to our teenage kids. So that, that was 100% us, just not us. So. <laughs> oh, completely. We'll do it to that. Or there's a couple of old school rap songs that he likes. Oh, yeah. And yes. it's awesome. You they know, don't think so, but we love it. to rap. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I just wanted to uh, just tell you guys, when we were going through the series, I got a chance to pick all the couples for the coupled series. So I would figure that I would have gotten all the easy ones, right? Or me, you know, but no. What happened was, is when I started doing the study on Jacob and Rachel, it was actually more complicated than I thought it was. See, that's what happens when you should go ahead and read ahead and remember the stuff that you've already learned in the past. So in saying that, this is a crazy story, okay? How they met, all right? And I just want to kind of break it down really quick because it's a super long story. And understand how we're breaking down the scripture today. We have about mm, two full chapters and about probably about 50 different verses that we're not going to read all out loud. <laughs> okay? But really, this is a really interesting story of love at first sight and also just of uh, what I want to call sister wives. Okay? So, yes, that was one of my favorite shows in the world. And then I stopped watching it. <laughs> After I realized I could only handle one wife, okay? <laughs> but in saying that, guys, you know, Jessica's going to tell you the story of how we first met. Well, I was going to set the stage and let you finish the story, if that's okay. Okay, that's fine. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so, Last minute, God had um, kind of called me to Christ for the Nations in Dallas. I was totally thinking I'd go to Tarleton for teaching and... So God just opened the door for that. So we went into, um, I went to CFNI, and it was literally the second day there. And I went into YFN, which is called Youth for the Nations. It's an awesome program if anybody doesn't know about it. But I went there, and I was sitting, and then all of a sudden this group of guys come in, all sweaty, stinky. Really good-looking guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, playing football, and they're all rowdy and stuff. So it caught my attention, but. So anyways, so i seen this girl, this woman, and I said, man, she's hot, right? And, but not thinking anything, I'm the tough, rough, and tumble guy, right? And, and she, what she didn't tell you was, I was wearing my sweatpants, pretty hot, right? With my shorts on top of it, and then I had my, I had my sweatshirt, right? And I had my, my uh, t-shirt over that, that was cut off, right? Cut yeah, off that's t-shirt. how we did it back cut in the day. t-shirt. And, and, and it was middle of August, and we were playing tackle football. I didn't want to get hurt. See? That's how we do it. But anyways, so I seen this girl, and I had this football, so I threw it at her. Right? That's My what face. Tough, My face. That's what tough guys do, right? Just see what she's got. Well, she tricked me. 
She caught it. So I thought she was a sports fan, and I thought I would just fell in love even more because not just is she hot, but she can actually play sports. But she tricked me because I don't think she's ever caught a ball ever again in her life, but she can't stand sports. So, but I love her. She's my beautiful wife, and that's kind of how we met. I'll let you finish up the rest of it. I think that's pretty good. No, you need to go on. <laughs> just, all right, so anyways, we were married eight months later, pretty much. And that's how God did it for us. We, we, we've always been kind of the weird, either it takes all or nothing. And we're pretty quick on the trigger on certain things and it takes us a while. So we're gonna kind of go in, in the story of Rachel and Jacob and explain to you our point of view of what we got from this and then also add our story in there too. Okay, um, when we were praying about um, what to do and what God wanted to say um, through the story with Jacob and Rachel, one of the things that we learned about was timing. So titled it, of course, Whose Timing Are You Living By? Um, which brings us actually to our first point, which is love at first sight. Genesis 29, 9 through 12 says, While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban's, his mother's brother. I think they really want us to know it's his mother's brother. His mother's brother. Um, then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So guys, I want to uh, throw out a little disclaimer there. Um, yes, that is her, her cousin or his cousin. They are cousins, like correctly, cousins. And that's fine. In the biblical times, you got to remember, this is kind of where we first started off, right? So we don't really have much to really spread out to, if you know what I'm saying. So there's not a lot of flock to choose from, okay? So in, in saying this, that's why it was okay for cousin to be cousin and all that other good stuff. But we're just going to leave it there, okay? This story, guys, is crazy because what I want everybody to do is go back and fact check me and Jessica Okay, and because also I want you to read the story because it's so cool to see the, the power within the story within the story and how far it had to come because it was from Isaac, is for, from Jacob, right? Well, Jacob stole his brother's blessing, right? And so that's how he, one of the reasons why he had to leave was because his brother was pretty mad at him. That's, that's the nicer terms right now. Right? So he was pretty mad at his brother. His mom said, hey, you need a wife, so why don't you uh, go a couple towns over and find your wife? And it's probably, just see my, my, my brother. He's got a couple daughters. Go, go, go check him out. Right? And so I'm ab-living it for you, okay? So they were walking down, and he finally got to the town, and he, see, he saw that, that there was, this was this really attractive lady, woman, herding sheep. And so in that, he, as he got closer, he's like, oh my gosh, she's not just attractive, she's hot, right? She's like slamming hot, right? But, but in saying that, he, he saw her and he's like, hi, I am your cousin. But he didn't know that, right? But, <laughs> sorry, he didn't say that. But they, but, but they put both of them, put two and two together, and they both fell in love with each other. And so the first point is love at first sight. For me, it was love at first sight for Jessica and I, okay? And really it was. I mean, it took us like seven dates to realize that we were actually dating, but that's just me. 
because I was always paying her back for the first date that she paid for me because I was cheap. And so... You left your wallet in the... Oh, please. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta see what kind of woman she was before I started paying for stuff. <laughs> Get back here. So, but anyways, guys, uh, in, in saying that, they, they met together at the well and they started to realize who, who, who they were in comparison to each other and they both fell in love with each other and, and, and one of the things that really touched me the most in this particular scripture is that when, when, when he said it was the shepherdess so basically the shepherdess a lot of people forget that us as pastors were shepherds right we shepherd our flock you are our flock we love you you're beautiful sheep right but in saying that, we also have somebody that's next to us and stands next to us and also helps. And so in this story, both of them came from a background of herding sheep. That's what they did. That's how they gained their wealth is that her dad was a sheep farmer and she was the one that tended the sheep. So not just was she hot, she was a hard worker. And so in saying that, thank you, Jessica, for being hot and a hard worker. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> But, but I want you guys to understand that, that with, with, with us being men, we always have to have a good shepherdess with us. And so in, in, in love at first sight, she was my shepherdess. Well, and don't also let it be lost in the fact that even beforehand, when Jacob um, was a shepherd, you know, when they came together, they had actually similar backgrounds. Even though they weren't far, uh, even though they were far apart in where they lived, you know, their foundations were still very similar. And that's really important whenever we, you know, come together with someone who is similar in our aspects to know that together we'll be able to walk stronger. All right, so we're going to move on to our next point, guys. The next point in this whole story is, is patience. And Jessica's going to explain to you why we need patience in these situations. I will say Ethan and I struggled with patience for many, many years. Um, in the beginning, when we first left CFNI, we went to school for, and, you know, graduated with a degree in... Yes, in pastoral ministry. <laughs> and we worked with youth. Um, we were youth leaders and, and pastors under someone, and it was amazing. But we totally expected everything to happen and not in our timing, but in God's timing. We are very naive in that aspect. And there are some things that went on and just caused some hurt. And instead of being mature, because we were not mature at that time, um, we walked away from the church. And it took 12 years, 12 years for God to get our heads back on straight. And that, you know, we lacked the patience that we really needed. We lacked the ability to care about God's timing. We thought we needed it now, so we're going to do it now. You know, and that's just not how it goes. And a lot of times when you see the amazing things that churches do, um, like with Todd and Crystal, I, I definitely am very grateful for them and the fact that they um, understood what patience and God's timing was. I knew for, well, I know they knew for a couple of years before that we needed to grow. We needed to rebuild parts of the building and create more space for our children, create more space for us to grow as a church. And had they jumped on the opportunity right then and there, it wouldn't have worked because it wasn't God's timing. But they were gracious enough and they were smart enough to know to seek God and to trust what he's doing and what his timing is and, you know, kick off at the exact right time. Because when we 
do it in God's timing, it works together and it comes out beautifully. I mean, look at the place that we have. We are very, 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 very blessed and we're blessed to have leaders that seek God. And so that's something that I want all of you guys to understand how important patience is. Because I know when you look at um, Leah and you look at Rachel, which were Jacob's wives, he had to wait so long, so, so long just to get the things that he wanted. He originally wanted Rachel, who he met at the well. But instead, God, or not God, but Laban, his, Rachel's father, said, no, you worked for me for seven years, but Leah still isn't taken. And so I need her to be married to you. And that really frustrated him because he worked hard for her. And actually, in this, in this story, he actually tricks him into marrying him because really they were on their wedding night and they've already done the party thing that they normally do, the wedding night, you know what happens. And so what happens is, is on the wedding night, that's when he realized that it wasn't the right wife. Yep. And, his, and, his, and his uncle had tricked him into marrying because she wasn't the best looking person in the world and the most attractive person to, to other people. And so that's the, this is the only way that he knew he could get rid of her or push, not wow. get rid. That's a bad word to say here. <laughs> to here give goes her my hand wife. in marriage. But to have a hand in marriage. <laughs> have, okay. So anyways, I hacked that one. Your turn. <laughs> You're awesome, babe. And then, (laughs) and so they made a deal where they worked together again uh, for seven years. He worked for um, Laban for for more time. So that's a total of 14 years so that he could be with the love of his life. And even in that 14 years, um, or after the 14 years, when they were working on having children, um, which he'll explain a little bit more, in de- well, not in detail, but he'll explain a little bit exactly here in a minute. <laughs> but, you know, they had to wait on God's timing to have children. Rachel and Jacob wanted to have many, many children together. They, they found the love of their lives and they could finally be together. You know, they can grow old together, have children and just create a family that they've always wanted. However, Rachel wasn't able to have children at first. She wasn't able to have that fulfillment that she desperately, desperately wanted. And so there are different things that she had done in the meantime to try to have a child, but it's different than still being with child. And what was so amazing is at God's perfect timing, she was able to have Joseph. And if, you know what, whenever I was just thinking about, with Joseph is the same Joseph that, you know, um, was sold into slavery was the same Joseph that went into Egypt and became the second hand of Pharaoh. And it was the same Joseph that actually helped all the families with the famine. But one of the things that's really, really cool about that, had Rachel had children prior to that, Joseph may not have been at the correct age group to be able to go through that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and so we're going to go to our next point. It's three, legacy. Okay, so... Basically, like Jessica said, I'm going to explain to you in the non-dramatic, not being a lifetime TV show, okay? I'm going to try to break it down the easiest way. Again, we've taken it from a whole bunch of verses. I'm putting it all in one little verse, okay? Okay, so this is how it breaks down, is that he gets tricked into getting married, right? So they have two kids together first. Well, Rachel was jealous after they had gotten married, so they ended up having she couldn't have kids, so she said, well, since I can't have kids and my slave is the direct line to me, 
she's going to be now your wife, which then makes it my kid, kind of, sort of. Anyway, so then now you have two more kids. And then so as it goes is, well, Layla, 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 thank you, Leah, I always mess up her name. It's too easy. It's L-E-A-A. Sorry, Leah. She then has her slave have kids, so then now have, they have four wives, right? And so Rachel still can't have kids. What happens is along the line, this is where he starts to be able to go back to his homeland, to back to Isaac and back to reclaim his inheritance, basically what it is. He's now, now moved on and he's heading out. That's where Rachel, after he breaks free from them, Rachel actually is... God's allowed her and blessed her womb, and she has two more kids. Okay, the first one was? Joseph. Joseph. The second one was named Benjamin. We don't know what happens to Benjamin because I didn't read on any further. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But no, but in saying that, actually, what what was neat about this story is, is that the legacy was set, and nobody saw... Nobody actually saw what was going on until they started going to where he was supposed to go. So you guys got to understand, right? We all have spiritual gifts, okay? I don't want to get weird on you, but it is what it is, okay? And what that is is that this family was actually a family of dreamers, okay? It started from Isaac, then it went to Jacob, okay? They just didn't know how to kind of handle it. And so when Joseph got the dream, he went to his brothers and said, ha, I'm going to be a ruler over you because I saw it in my dream. They're like, you're my littlest brother right before Benjamin, and that ain't going to happen. So they put him in a hole, thought he was dead, got sold into slavery, then became Pharaoh's second hand, and actually was their boss, man, right? It was over them and took care of him, right? But that that was the legacy that we didn't see coming. Okay, so when he actually went back to his father's house and got his inheritance back, he got the land back. He was called Israel after that. So Jacob's name is changed from Jacob to Israel. And this is where we have the 12 tribes of Israel through his four wives. And and so basically the way that breaks down is this. He has 13 children total, 12 boys and one, uh, one girl. And so when you start to see how Rachel and him have to come about it, right? They had to get there with the patience, right? But they had to serve her uncle. And then they, he had to serve in that time in order to grow and get to where he needed to be. And so he was setting a foundation, right, of, of a legacy that's gonna be left to the Jewish nation. So the 12 tribes that we talk about in the Bible is the 12 tribes of Israel, He's leaving a legacy behind by the things that he had to do. So what I want to do is something. So I need all the youth to stand up. Almost, almost. I'm actually going to call, I'm going to call you Grant this time. All right, now, guys, you say, this is our legacy, right? No, this is not just our legacy. All right, I need anybody that's in here that's a parent. Can you please stand up? Okay. I need anybody that's ever raised a kid, which is still a parent, but they're out of the house. So that counts too. All right. Now what I want you to do is stand up if you don't have any kids. Everybody should be standing at this point just saying, <laughs> just so you know, 
Guys, my point is, is yes, we always look at legacy as it's our next generation. But it's beyond that. Our legacy that's left behind is everybody standing in this room. Because everybody stands, that's standing in this room affects the next generation behind them. I don't care where you're at in your life, if you've ever had a kid or didn't have a kid, you're affecting my child. I want you to understand that. You guys can sit now, okay? No, I want you to stand up. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, what, my, what my point is this, guys. When we start talking about legacies, I have three teenagers, okay? All of them think that they're adults, okay? And my, my, my little 13-year-old daughter, that 14-year-old daughter, that she's, she's 20. And the, so they have teenage, they're good kids, but they have teenage problems, right? And we want to beat them sometimes, right? But at the end of the day, guys, you as the church are setting the legacy for my children and my children's children and my children's children. What you guys don't understand is in this story that we had to cut so much out of is that this 12 tribes affected a nation beyond what you could even imagine because their kids affected their kids, that affected their kids, that affected their kids. So you as the church affects my legacy to, 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 to godly Texas, not just from godly Texas, because I grew up in Southampton, New York, right? New York, all the way to godly Texas. Now, I don't know where my kids are gonna go from here, but they're gonna affect the nation. But you guys, how you guys are, and how you train them up as a church is how they're gonna set a legacy. So don't just make this about me and Jessica raising my kids to make a legacy. It's how is the church gonna make a legacy for the next generation of church? Well, and the other thing that was amazing whenever we were reading through this and we realized, we're like, you know, with the 12 tribes of Israel, it didn't just change, you know, their family, it didn't just change it. It actually changed the entire world. And when we look at this as a bigger picture, we understand that we all play different roles. We all do different things, but all together, we're able to move mountains. We're able to bring, you know, bring heaven down onto this earth. And that's exactly what we are called to do. And so the little things that we may all do add up to big things. And so the legacy that we are leaving isn't just like he said for the individuals, it's collectively. And so when we look at it on a bigger scale, we will understand the importance of leaving God's legacy, not just what ours personally is. So, Mo, if you guys want to come up here, that way we give you a little bit of warning this time. He did that better than we did last time. So, guys, as, as Hope Church, what we like to do as pastors, and we got this from our beautiful Pastor Todd, which is now back here. Thank you for your service. Hello, Pastor Todd. Um, is, is we like to ask three questions, challenging questions, or sometimes just three statements to say you better do better, okay? But the first one is, are you willing to take the first step, the next step today? Kind of like how um, Jacob and Rachel both had to take uh, the first steps into doing, you know, to altering their future. They had to take the first step to go to this different town, or she had to take the step to go talk to her father, or like Ethan had to take the step, first step to throw the football at me. <laughs> Luckily, I caught it. She had to take a step to catch the football. Yeah. But all of those, you know, just actually choosing to do something is huge. That's the first moment of the rest of your life. Number two, do you need help with patience? God knows that this question is probably basically just made for me and Jessica, 
because we are not the most patient people, um, especially Jessica. I am a little bit more laid back, and I say, let's wait and talk to somebody about this tomorrow. She's no like, let's talk about it now. No, 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 I'm a good. Let's just talk about it tomorrow when everything calms down. No, let's talk about it now. But it's not just that. It's also, guys, it's where you are in your walk right now, okay? And not just with your spiritual walk, but also when you're outside in the real world, okay? Outside of the church, okay? And saying that is, what are you doing at work? Are you patient with where you're at? Are you okay where, where you're at? And knowing that God's got something bigger and better for you, that's what I'm saying about patience. Where are you at right now? And knowing that God is 100% in control of every situation, do you have the patience to wait on his timing or are you gonna try to do it yourself? And that brings us to number three, which is what legacy are you leaving behind? What are you choosing to do? Who are you choosing to follow? The importance of God's timing, which goes in with patience, which goes in with taking the first step, is making the decisions and the choices that are bigger and beyond you. And that is something that, you know, follows with obedience. And it's exciting to know that no matter what you're doing, God is going to do something through you and in you. And so think about the legacy that you have and the legacy that you want to leave and the legacy that you are naturally a part of when you're in God's kingdom. So guys, when we, uh, I want you to understand Altar time to me is one of the most important times, okay? You could talk to God at any point, right? That's what's so cool about when Jesus died on the cross and he sent us the Holy Spirit. We can have conversations with him and talk to him at any point. But what altar time is, is this, guys. This is when you have an opportunity to bring something to the family, us to be able to pray with you in agreement in Jesus' name that you're gonna be one healed. Number two, if you do not know Jesus Christ, which should be number one, if you do not know Jesus Christ, run to the altar or run to somebody that's in the back. Because most of all, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, unfortunately, guys, you don't have anything. The relationship with Jesus Christ is, is your first step to understanding that God has you under his wings when you accept him into your heart and know that I need to walk a life with him, okay? So the altars are open, guys. If you need a healing today, I'm not a magic man, but my Jesus, my Jesus has the power to heal. If you read throughout the Bible, it's so cool when you start from Acts all the way straight through. They went to the elders and they prayed and they were what? And they were healed in Jesus' name. If you need a prayer for your work situation, come up here, go in the back. What I'm trying to say, guys, is this. Altar time is for anything for prayer. Let Jesus work in your life today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God, that you're an awesome God. I thank you for allowing me and Jessica to...